Thank you for joining us for this podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. The following was recorded live on location in Bourbonnais, Illinois. How do I follow up last week's message, which I said last week was the most important message I had ever preached? How do I follow that up today? I want you to know I hadn't planned on saying that at the beginning of the message that was not in the script. Those of you who follow along in the manuscripts that we provide for you know that those opening remarks were impromptu. I mean, they weren't, I wasn't planning on saying that. And uh, of course, some of you may not know that we do that here. We have the manuscript of the message for you to follow along if you want. I preach from a manuscript I always have for 40 years almost. Frankly, for this reason, I don't trust myself to speak for the Lord unless I've given it serious thought, prayed about it, and written it out. Uh, That's not to say that God doesn't speak through extemporaneous preaching, because God does, but my experience is that the Holy Spirit is more likely to speak through a message that has been prayerfully prepared and thoughtfully considered over one that is not. So to make sure I do the hard work of preparation, I write out everything I'm going to say, which means that we can provide a manuscript for those who want to follow along. And those of you who followed along in the manuscript know that I had not planned on saying that last week's message was the most important message I had ever preached. But I said it last Sunday, and I meant it, which has created for me a bit of a problem this morning. What do I say today? So today is the second most important message I have ever preached. Yeah, that sound right. Or do I say, you know what? Last week's message was pretty important, but I was wrong. Forget what I said about last week's message. This is the most important message I will ever preach. And this time, I mean it. Well, maybe I say that, but then what I do next week? Forget what I said last week. This is the most important message. I mean, that's going to just get tedious. So maybe last week's message was the most important. Maybe this week's message is. Maybe next week's message will be. I mean, they can't all be the most important message. Can they? Yeah, here's what's true. Last week was last week. Next week may never come. All we have is today. Which means what? Uh, Maybe every Sunday's message is the most important because it is what is present Maybe every Sunday's message is the most important because, folks, we need to hear from the Lord again today. Our salvation is always present tense. I mean, it's not just that he has saved us, and he has. It is that he is saving us now. Does anybody need Jesus less than they did yesterday? I need a word from the Lord often. I promise you I need a word from the Lord often. I need his mercies new every morning which means we need to hear from the Lord today. So I guess I'll say it again. Today is the most important message I have ever preached because it is today's message for today. And here's today's message, four words. There's something about Jesus. Or it could be six words for emphasis. Maybe there's just something about Jesus. All right, here's the message. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, which was a pretty big deal day. The heavens were open, ripped apart. The voice of God thundered, naming who Jesus was. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thundered God from rent 
heavens on the day of his baptism. So Jesus' baptism was a pretty big deal day, as is every baptism, as was Eliza's today. And on the day of Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove, reports every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all report it, empowering God the Son to be, through God the Spirit, what God the Father was asking the Son to do. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all equally involved on the day of Jesus' baptism and all equally involved in the mission of God. And what the gospel writers want us to know, among other things, is Jesus could not have done what Jesus did without obedience to the Father and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' baptism was a pretty big deal day. This is what happened next. Jesus was sent then into the wilderness for a time of preparation, for a time of testing in which Jesus faced and triumphed over Satan's beguiling, shortcut temptations to do the will of God. And in those three summary temptations, Satan was basically saying to Jesus, you don't have to do the hard. You can turn stones into bread. You can jump from the temple. And if you bow down to me just once, just a little, the world will follow you because I know how to draw a crowd, said Satan. You'll have more followers than you know what to do with. So Jesus was sent, filled with the Holy Spirit, to be tempted with this test. Jesus, you can skip all the sacrificial stuff. Like being in want. Make yourself some bread. Like being at anyone's mercy. The Father will protect you. Like only being obedient to the Father. Worship me. My way's a whole lot easier, and you'll have a whole lot more acclaim. And of course, Jesus and the power of the Spirit and obedience to the Father said, no, that's not the way. The way is the way of a cross. The way is a lifetime of laying down your life for others. So, after Jesus' baptism, which was a pretty big deal, and after that initial time of testing in which Jesus rejected Satan's dangling of an easier way, Jesus began his work in the power of the Spirit. And I want to show you what happened next. As familiar as we are with the story, we miss it. And that we miss what's really going on in John 1 is revealed by how difficult it is to believe what actually happened. So here's what we read this morning. Here's what happened next. John the Baptist, doing what John the Baptist was called to do, pointed out Jesus. Indeed, John the Baptist's entire mission in life was to point out Jesus. That's why he lived, to point to Jesus. When John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. I'm going to say it again. John the Baptist's entire mission in life was to point people to Jesus. And do you know what happened when John the Baptist did that? Do you know what happened immediately after John said, behold, look, there's Jesus. When two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Stop. Stop. Just stop. That's what happened. When the two disciples heard John the Baptist say, look, see, behold, the Lamb of God, those two disciples followed Jesus. Now, that seems pretty straightforward. That's not that hard to understand. But because I want to make sure we don't miss what's happening here, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is passing by. When John the Baptist saw him, and all that John the Baptist did was point him out, 
to the two disciples who were with him, with John the Baptist, and this is what happened when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. They left John and followed Jesus after Jesus was simply pointed out to them by John the Baptist. So far, so good, right? I'm telling the story right. One more time, just to make sure. When John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, all that John the Baptist did was point to Jesus, to the two disciples who were with him, and they began following Jesus like right now. Now, I know that's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that that could happen like that. But it's what John the Apostle said happened in this text. And for the record, this is what is recorded in the other Gospels when Jesus called other disciples. They just started following as hard as it is to believe, this is what I want to say, folks. Maybe there's just something about Jesus. Oh, there's more to this story. After the two disciples left John to follow Jesus, Jesus saw them following. They saw Jesus, and Jesus saw them. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what are you looking for? In other words, what do you guys want? Of course, Jesus knew what they wanted. They were already following him. They wanted him. And that's what they said. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where do you live? In other words, can we spend some time with you? They wanted to continue following him to learn more about him. They wanted to see where he was staying. They wanted to see where he was living. They wanted to go and be where he was. And here's where it gets interesting. Jesus didn't say which, what some translations say he said. Jesus didn't say, come and see. As if Jesus were inviting them to explore and discover if he was who John the Baptist said he was. That's not what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. It's very clear in the Greek. Jesus said, come and you will see. Come and you, you'll see. Come and you'll see. Come and you will see. And that's different. It's way different. And here's how. Jesus wasn't inviting curious strangers wondering who he was to come and check him out so that they could make a decision about whether or not to follow him. That's not what's going on here, even though that's sometimes what we think is going on here. Jesus didn't say to those not following, come and check me out. He didn't say, come and see to curiosity seekers. Jesus said to those who are already following, come and you will see. Come and you will have your confession to, of me as the Lamb of God confirmed. Come and there won't be any doubt in your mind who I am. You'll see. Jesus knew that once they spent some time with him, they would know who he was. So there was no chance that they would not know who Jesus was once they spent some time with him. Come and you'll see. Again, don't not come and try to figure out who I am. Not come and maybe you'll decide I'm the Christ. No, come and you will see. Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. There's more to this story. One of those disciples was so on board, he went and got his brother, like right now. Evidently, Andrew saw, as Jesus said he would, because he went and got his brother. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. And here's the rest of the story. Before Peter had a chance to say a word, this is what happened. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And before Peter had a chance to say a word, Jesus changed Simon's identity. So who chose whom here? 
Did Simon choose Jesus or did Jesus choose Simon? Back to the story. Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus and Jesus changed Peter's life. Simon was brought into the presence of Jesus and Jesus changed Simon into Peter. Boom. Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. I want to make sure we're tracking here. Here's the story so far. John the Baptist pointed Jesus out to two disciples and two disciples begin immediately following. Folks, maybe there's something about Jesus. And of course they wanted more. They want to spend time with Jesus. And Jesus says, of course, come and spend time with me. And if you do, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm the Lamb of God. Folks, maybe there's something about Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was go get his brother Simon. And immediately upon seeing Simon, Jesus changed Simon into Peter the Rock. You're Simon, son of John. You're going to be Peter. Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. That's the story so far. But we're not done, and I just want you to know, I'm just telling you the story. All of this so far because John the Baptist pointed Jesus out, and because Andrew introduced Peter to Jesus. It looks to me like Jesus is doing most of the work here. All they're doing is introducing people to Jesus. There's more to the story, it's starting to end here. Jesus is needing to go to Galilee. And so Jesus decided that Peter was going, that Philip was going to be a disciple. Jesus is needing to go to Galilee, and so Jesus decided that Philip was going to be a disciple. You heard me right there. That's what happened next. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So who chose whom here? So who found whom here? And guess what happened? Philip became a disciple right now. And how do we know this? Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, to make sure we're tracking, Jesus decided that Philip was going to be a disciple. And Philip's response to Jesus finding him was to go to his friend Nathaniel and tell Nathaniel that they had found the one who in reality had found him. Jesus found Philip and Philip thinks he found Jesus. And that's really the way it works. Jesus finds us and we think we found him. So Philip, after being found by Jesus, is now a disciple telling others about Jesus. Folks, maybe there's something about Jesus. The story's not over. Nathaniel's not so easily convinced. It's here we have the famous line, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything from Nazareth be good? Nathaniel asked, and this is what Philip said. Come and see for yourself. And that answer is along the same lines as to what Jesus said to John the Baptist's two disciples. It's literally in the Greek, be coming and be perceiving. Which means, if you come, you'll see. Come and see for yourself. Again, in other words, Philip said to Nathaniel, I'm not going to try to convince you that we have found the Messiah. If you come, you will not need any convincing from me. It will be so obvious, you will see for yourself. Are you ready? Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. 
So Nathanael went with Philip. And this is what happened next. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said, look, a true Israelite in whom there isn't any duplicity. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, don't get distracted by the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree. That's not the point. I saw you before Philip called you. So Nathanael went to Jesus, and it turned out that Jesus was all about Nathanael before Nathanael was ever all about Jesus. I saw you, Nathanael, before you ever saw me. I saw you before Philip even called you. I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. So who chose whom here? So who found whom here? So who saw whom first? And this is Nathanael's response to Jesus seeing him. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Folks, maybe there's just something about Jesus. So here's a story from John 1, 35 through 49, abridged. John the Baptist points Jesus out to two of his disciples, and they immediately started following. Maybe there's something about Jesus. And they asked Jesus permission to spend some time with them now that they're followers, and Jesus says, of course, yes, and then tells them that if they do, they will know without a doubt who he is. Maybe there's something about Jesus. And so Andrew, who was one of those disciples, went and got Simon, and before Simon said a word, Jesus called him out and changed him from Simon to Peter. Maybe there's something about Jesus. And then Jesus found Philip, told Philip to begin following him, and he did. Maybe there's something about Jesus. Maybe there's just something about Jesus. And not only followed, but went and got Nathaniel and told Nathaniel that he had found the Messiah who in reality had found him. But Nathaniel is a bit of a skeptic, so Philip said, come and see for yourself. Because, folks, maybe there's something about Jesus. And sure enough, with that one encounter, Nathaniel declared, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Maybe there's something about Jesus. Folks, here's what's true. The message today is really not the six-word message. Maybe there's just something about Jesus. Now, that's not the message. The message today is the four-word message, folks. There's something about Jesus, and this is the something. He is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. That's the something about Jesus. And now, there's all kinds of implications to this. Here's what I'm thinking today. If that is true, if the something about Jesus is that he is the Son of God, the King of Israel, and if all those who met him and if all those who were chosen by him were compelled to follow him by virtue of him, by virtue of who he was, then maybe this is what else is true. Maybe Jesus doesn't need defending Maybe Jesus doesn't need marketing. Maybe Jesus doesn't need explaining. Maybe Jesus doesn't need to be packaged. Maybe Jesus doesn't need a PR firm. Maybe Jesus just needs to be Jesus. 
And maybe Jesus just needs to be proclaimed. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Oh, there's so many implications here. I mean, he's worthy to be worshipped, which is what we have to do no matter how cold it is. But maybe he doesn't need defending, and maybe he doesn't need marketing, and maybe he doesn't need explaining, and maybe he doesn't need to be packaged, and maybe he doesn't need PR. And what he needs from the church is proclaiming. Maybe he just needs to be proclaimed. Maybe we just let, need to let Jesus be Jesus. And John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. That's all he did. At the end of this passage was Nathaniel declaring, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Folks, if there's something about Jesus, what he needs from the church and his people is proclamation. Let me tell you about Jesus. You've been listening to a podcast from College Church of the Nazarene, University Avenue. If you care to join us for worship, we meet each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at 200 University Avenue in Bourbonnais, Illinois. We also offer a full range of activities, classes, small group meetings, and events throughout the week. For a complete list of what's going on at College Church or for more information on how you can get involved, please go to www.collegechurch.org.